Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Come in, and here's kind of the final ending. And what I want to do right now, kind of going to go in reverse a little bit this morning. I want to give you some main themes right off the bat throughout this book that I believe are so important for your life. First is this. We see in this story them go from lifeless to life. She was lifeless. Naomi was lifeless. Ruth was lifeless. And we see them go back to their town, and they're brought together with God's people and God's presence to life. Second, they go from ruin. How many are feeling like you're just ruined today? You don't have to raise your hand, but you're like, man, I'm I'm ruined. I feel lifeless. They went from ruin to redemption. Okay? If you feel ruined, you have a redeemer. Amen? We have a redeemer. Some of you walked in here today, you feel hurt. Maybe it's your first time in the church in a long time and you've been hurt by a church or by a pastor or by somebody and you're going, today's my day for healing. We see that in this book. They were hurt. They went from all these funerals to this life. Maybe you've been waiting. How many ever waited on the Lord? You're like, you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and they're like, all right, God, like you're going to show up, man. When, when are you going to show up and show off? Some of you are still waiting and waiting. We see that with Boaz. Boaz could have married. He was a wealthy guy. This guy was good to do, but he waited for the right woman in his life. He waited, and then what did he do? He worshiped. He worshiped. He was a man of God. And so some of you are waiting. You need to worship. Last is this. Some of you have burdens. Anyone, anyone have a burden? Yeah, probably all do at different levels. Make that burning today, your burden, into a blessing. I believe that's what God wants to do. And so this whole story that begins in these funerals, ends up in this incredible wedding celebration of Boaz and Ruth getting married, and then love and marriage, then the baby carriage, right? You know, remember the poem? And and they had a little child. And so it's this celebratory story. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to just, in our time remaining, I want to give you three points that I believe will kind of tie the story in, how it really applies to us today. And the first is this, the bread. Let me talk about the bread. And and as I talk about the bread, you're going to receive bread right now. You're going to get bread and you're going to get wine. And we're going to partake in communion in just a moment. You might be like, why is Becca still up there? Um, Because communion is worship. I might just keep her up here the whole time. It's so pleasant. But we're going to worship in communion in just a moment. So here's what I want you to do. When you get the bread and you get the the grape juice... um, Hold on to this this morning. Now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on our, our usher team for one moment. And uh, Angie loves me, right? All right, good. Um, today, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. You have a gift of exhortation, whoever that was. Um, I just want to say this. If, when, when you get to the church, sometimes you have to make lemonade out of lemons. And let's just say we made Kool-Aid out of grape juice this morning. So if it tastes a little different to you this morning... Welcome to your first communion with Kool-Aid, all right? So it's not about the stuff. It's about the stuff in here. And uh, this is between you you and God. So I'm just telling you now because later I don't want you to be like, what was that? I told our team, I said, it's, I had a buddy once take communion with uh, Cheetos and uh, Coke. That's what they had in a boat, and they wanted to take communion. Let me put the scripture, though. As, that, as that's going on, keep your eyes up here and on the screen. Ruth chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to go back a couple chapters. It says that this, it says, At mealtime, 
Boaz, everybody say Boaz. Here's a man after God's own heart. He said to her, he said, come over here. Come over here. Have some bread. Dip it in the wine vinegar. Okay? And, and this right here, this isn't necessarily a shadow of communion in the New Testament, but what it is, it's an invitation. The bread that Jesus has given to us is his body. It's an invite for you to be whole, to have your ruin to be redeemed, to have your lifeless life be filled with life from him, to have your hurt healed, to have your waiting turn into worship. That's what he wants for you this morning. And so I'm just going to speak life into you today, man. I pray you receive it. I pray you receive what the blood of Christ and what the body of Christ has done for you. Bethlehem actually meant house of bread. Okay. And again, we talked about this the last few weeks when Elimelech, the dumb guy, not the good guy, the dumb guy, he took off with his family and he went to Moab. He left the house of bread or where the provision came from and said, I'm going to go over here. He left essentially the call of God on his life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered and he said this. He says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every what? Say it with me. Every That comes from the mouth of God. Every word. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay? You see, it's not just the sustenance in our life today, our physical bodies, but our spiritual bodies. And so Jesus, being completely sin-free, said, you know what? They're all still screwing up. They're all, they don't have it figured out. But I'm going to give my life for them anyway. I'm going to lay down everything for them anyway. And so just as we see Boaz invite Ruth to come and to take the bread and, and to eat, and remember, she had been starving. They had nothing. They had just, you know, gone across this land 50 miles through a desert. They're famished. And he gave this invite. And today I believe Jesus has an invite for you. Some of you today, you're not physically starving, but you're spiritually starving and you don't even know it. And so allow the word of God that comes from him only fill that void this morning. Let's pray together. And then we're going to eat the bread. I'm going to pray again and we'll take the cup. God, I thank you that you sent your son, your beloved son, so that we could have life. There's no other way. God, help us stop trying the other ways and just accept that invite today on our life. God, I thank you that you gave up your body for us. Let's partake together. It's not a magic trick, but it's the only blood that makes you whiter than the snow. Purifies us from all of our sins. Well, I'm not good enough. I've done X, Y, Z. Join the club. Join the club. Okay? It's a family that God says he loves and will do anything for. So let's pray and receive that this morning. Get your heart right before you receive it. Okay? Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to meet you where you need to be met this morning. God, I thank you the cup that you poured out. Lord, you call it the new covenant. It's fulfilling all of the Old Testament prophecies and law so that we can have life and life abundantly. So this morning as we partake in the cup, God, would you wash our sins away? Would you purify us? Would you cleanse us? It's the only way because you bought us with a price and we want to give you praise and thank you as we accept that invitation this morning.
just as Ruth accepted that invitation from Boaz. Lord, bless this to our bodies this morning spiritually. Amen. Some good aftertaste. Let's do, I, I won't, man, we might have to vote on that at the business meeting. I think we're going to go to Kool-Aid instead of grape juice. That's way better. Way better. You know what we should do? We should hand out NyQuil. We'll have to do that at the end of service, though. <laughs> Last communion at the end of church at the bridge. Because <laughs> I get really sleepy, but man, I feel peaceful there. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, first is the bread, okay? This is God providing, and we see that through Ruth and Boaz. Here's the second point. The Birkenstocks. What are up with those? How many know? I didn't even know what a Birkenstock was. Do you know what a Birkenstock is? How, any guys with me? You're like, what in the world is a Birkenstock? Okay, it's just a sandal, all right? I just wanted to sound cool. I wanted to have all Bs. And, uh, you know, here, there's this crazy part of Ruth chapter 4. Check this out. Ruth chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says this. So the guardian redeemer, or kinsman redeemer, again, this is the one that could redeem Ruth, uh, said to Boaz, time out, wait a second. Kinsman redeemer said to Boaz? I thought Boaz was the redeemer. We'll, we'll get back to that. He said, buy it yourself, and he removed his Birkenstock. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. Here's the deal. What happened is... Um, Boaz was not the first in line. There was somebody else in line. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about him. But Boaz came to him and he's like, dude, guess what? Naomi's back. She's got this field. You can redeem it. You know, you can buy this field and you can have it. It can be yours. And, and he's like, sweet. I want more real estate. Great investment. I can't wait. And Boaz is like, I think he had a trick up his sleeve because he was in love with the hot Moabite woman. Okay. And so he goes to this guy. Boaz says, you know what? If you want that field, you just got to do one more thing. You, you see that woman over there? Yeah, you got to marry her. I'm out. That's how it went down. The guy walked away, and Boaz is like, score. She's mine. I get her. I get the field. And then it's this crazy part of the story that we kind of over, you know, overlook a lot of times. He takes off his, his Birkenstock. They kind of look like Birkenstocks, cool sandals. And he takes off his sandal, and he hands it to the guy. And so... You got to remember back there, you couldn't just go to Foot Locker. You couldn't go to Kohl's. You couldn't go to DSW. You know, you couldn't even go to Goodwill. They had nothing. And so he's walking around like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, everyone sees him because of this covenant that he just made with the first kinsman redeemer. He has now received that ownership, and they look at it as basically a purchase agreement in that day, giving of his sandal. So it's really a cool thing if you, if you read the Old Testament of what this actually means. But what he did by buying this is he redeemed that entire line that was going to be destroyed. And so he ends up marrying Ruth and he redeems her. What does that mean? He, right here we see that he purchased her. He bought her for a price, okay? Now I'm not saying she was a slave or she's an object, anything like that. But he bought the field and with the field he had to marry Ruth. And, and he wanted to. The other guy didn't. He's like, I'm out. Count me out. And so what we see is we see that Boaz is what we know as a type of, type of Christ or a type of Jesus. He's not Jesus, but he portrays who Jesus is to us in the New Testament. It's so cool. Can I just get nerdy with you this morning for a little bit? Is that okay? Can, one person's okay. Is, is everybody okay if I can just get biblically nerdy with you? Thank you. All of you but one there. So 
Get that person the Bible. Okay, so here's here's the deal. The Bible, by the way, can I just say, the Bible is like one of the coolest books to read. It comes to life. And one of the things, when you read the Bible, when you dive into Scripture, what happens is you read it and you're like, huh, what? And you read it again and you're like, oh, and then you read it again. I never saw it that way because it's alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time that you read it, you see something new, okay? So crack it open. Don't be afraid of it. Oh, I'm scared of it. I used to be deathly afraid of the Bible. It's hilarious. It's, there's so much truth in it that you want like the book of wisdom in your life. That's it. Okay. That's not even my notes. Here we go. Boaz is a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ. And there's three different ways that he, uh, redeems basically Ruth and how it parallels between Jesus and him. I'll show you first the redeemer or kinsman redeemer they needed to have the right to redeem. Another was the closest relative. And so that's why Boaz had to go to the real one. And he didn't want it and said, I'm going to take it. This is a really cool example here. That's, we're going to go deep for a moment, so stay with me. What this is, is basically, there's a really cool underlying tone here of saying, well, this old way, this guy, it's not going to work. But with Boaz, it will. Do you follow that? The, the law, it doesn't work. It's not going to redeem us. We can't do it. We feel guilty. We feel shame. It's not drawing us closer to God. If you've been trying to live your life on your own agenda, good stinking luck. It's going to suck for you. Now, if you go over here, I'm just preaching truth. And I'm being totally serious with you, okay? If you go over here and you're like, I'm going to do it Jesus way. And I'm just going to accept him and allow him. You know, when God looks at me, he's going to see the, the sun through me, not me. Guess what? You're going to have life and life to the fullest, Okay. Can we hear good amen this morning? Come on. All right, so here's the deal. This is essentially what's happening. And Christ, just as Boaz did, had the right to redeem us. You are redeemed by him. You're adopted as a daughter and as a son of him. You, you're essentially related to him through adoption. Second, the ability to redeem. You had to have the ability to redeem. In other words, could they pay the price? Okay, well, Boaz was a wealthy dude. He could definitely do it. Christ had the ability to redeem you because he never, ever, ever, ever sinned. He was perfect. Perfectly God and perfectly human, both at the same time. Check this out in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Pause. This morning, if you're going, I kind of feel like I'm in the empty way of life. Surrender that to him this morning. Ask him to take that. Say, God, I want to live for you. I want to have that. I don't want to have an empty way of life. It goes on, hand it down to you from your forefathers. Well, I used to be like this. And, and you, Pastor Chris, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've dealt with. You don't know the sins I, I did. But then it says in verse 19, and that doesn't matter. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In other words, he never sinned gave his life for us. Third is this, they need to be willing to redeem. And according to Boaz and according to the video, she was a Moite that was a hottie with the body. That's biblical, I'm just saying, okay? Some of you are like, I'm uncomfortable right now. Well, we can go through the Song of Solomon if you want. Um, Christ was willing to go, and he was willing to go to the cross on your behalf. Okay? Let me just say this this morning. You are valuable. Okay? I'm trying to look at everybody. Our lights are funky, so I can't see everybody. You're valuable. 
And, and here's what I want you to get this morning. If, if you don't remember anything about Ruth, if you don't remember anything about the video, and, and just, just get this today in your spirit. Redeeming means you have to figure out what price to pay for something. And to redeem something, you have to pay a price. Otherwise, it cannot be redeemed. If it was just you, not the person on your left or your right or front and behind you this morning, if it was just you, God determined your price. He determined your price equaled or was greater value than the giving of his own son. You want to know your value this morning? That's where you find it. Nowhere else. How much am I worth? Well, I don't know the living God that sent his son to die for me. That just defined your worth. Are you with me? Is that hitting home with some of you? I hope because it hits home with me because I grew up feeling worthless. I grew up with anxiety. I grew up with depression. I grew up with all that around me. And let me just speak to you, get a little overly spiritual on everybody this morning, just for a moment within our community and within social media, I meet more people per capita in our area that deal with depression and anxiety than anywhere else I've ever visited in my entire life. There's something over our atmosphere spiritually that needs to be broken, and it starts with Jesus Christ being our Redeemer, and we live that out. We, we speak confidently, and we speak life over those things on our social media, on the things that where we have influence on, and we allow God to live through us because I don't know about you, I want to see that broken, and we're a life-given church, and stink, we're going to be one. Amen? That's all i got to say about that. Oh, we're preaching it. Third and last one. You've got the bread, the Birkenstocks, and now the boy. This is my favorite of all, okay? Here we go. We're going to read just a a couple chunks of Scripture. Uh, It's verses 13 through 17 in Ruth chapter 4 if you want to read with. Otherwise, I've got it on the screen for you. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his. Loving marriage, loving. When he, don't say this, made love to her. Yeah, some of the Bible. Um, The Lord enabled her to conceive. Shocker. And she gave birth to his son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer or kinsman redeemer or family redeemer, depending on what version you have. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there, the women living there said, Naomi's had a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now there's a couple really cool things in here. I don't know if you caught. First of all, they get married, they have the son. His name is Obed. Well, right here in the middle of this, verse 15, it says, Your daughter in law who loves you is better to you than how many sons? Think about your biological kids right now, and your if you have, you know, a son in law or a daughter in law. Who do you love more? Don't answer that. Don't answer. My in-laws are here. Don't answer that. <laughs> I know they like me more. It's all right. Um, I'm kidding. But what they were saying is, Naomi, look, you lost your two kids. You lost your two sons. And even if you had five more, the relationship that Ruth has given to you is more than any of that ever could be. And she's saying, look at how blessed you are. And then, I don't know if you noticed this, but here's the cool part. We talk, just talked about spiritual atmosphere. The spiritual atmosphere, when they started following the ways of God here, changed. Who named the child? Did you catch it? 
Who put that last scripture back up there? Go, go. Uh, oh, it's up there. Okay, verse seventeen. The women living there said, "Naomi has a son," and the women named him. Did you ever catch that? I never caught that before this week. The woman named not Naomi didn't do it. Ruth didn't do it. They're all like, "Let's get together." And you might be like, "Who cares? His name's Obed. I'm not naming my kid that if I have one." I would, and here's why. You know what it means? It means worshiper of the living God. Worshiper of the living God. Obed means worshiper of the living God. And so they're like, man, this is what it's about. They saw the redemptive story between not only Ruth and Boaz, but through this, and here's the crazy part that happened. Ruth and Boaz get married. Who is Ruth's mother-in-law? Remember her name? Her name is Naomi. Naomi is redeemed through this as well. Even though her and Ruth have no biological blood relative at all, she is related far off you know, to Boaz. And here it is redeemed through a Moabite woman, through a culture that worships this pagan God. In other words, what the story is telling us is that any of us can be saved. Any of us. None of us are too far gone to have salvation in Jesus, ever. Let me, let me show you this here. Mark chapter 3, verse 34. Uh, in the book of Mark, it says, and this is Jesus' words, he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And we talked about this in our Bible study on Wednesday nights, but what this is really saying, just prior to this, he talked to his real mom, his biological mom and biological family, and said, you're not my family. They're my family. And what he was saying wasn't like, I hate my family, I don't like them. What he was saying, he says, you know what? No longer is it the biological relationship that matters. It's the adoption that matters more. This is huge, if you can get this this morning. Because what he's saying is, if you're adopted through me, your value is no longer through those who you came down through your genealogy. It's through him alone and through Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen? Come on. So Jesus was saying that the bond to him is more important than your biology. And then the book ends. So here's the end of Ruth. And you might be like, what's the end? It's going to be this great story. Here's, oh, Betty means son of God. The, the community's together. They're just awesome. They're rocking it for Jesus. They love it. They love the Lord. And then it ends in the last few verses in the genealogy. How, come on, be real. How many, when you read the Bible and you get to a genealogy, you just skip through it? Come on. I know you've done it. I do it. You know, and you, and you go through it and you're like, I just read seven chapters of the Bible, which really means two verses. Cheater. I'm there. These are so, this is what I love to study out. You read this and you realize that he was the father of Jesse and the father of David. You go down that genealogy, where do we get to? Jesus. We get to Jesus. And so here's this blessing of a child from conception and on. Now, I'm not here to get on the left or get on the right, but let me just say this this morning. The Bible says that at conception, life begins. And it said, right here, Obed was created, this son that was going to worship God. And God protected him down to the fact that here we are 3,000 years later from when the story took place. Because of Obed, because of his genealogy line, because of Jesus who came for you and me, we now have that salvation. We now have that because of what he did. So let me ask you this. Do you think that when Ruth and Naomi, or Ruth, excuse me, Ruth and Boaz were making love, 
and they had a child and God allowed them to conceive, that they were like during that time and during those like wonderful emotions, that they're like, man, we're going to have a child that's going to save the entire universe. Do you think they were like, that's why we want to go make love? Or do you think their feelings and hormones were probably, you know, going at it? Let's be real, okay? They had no idea what their life choice was going to make that 3,000 years later, we'd be talking about it. No idea. What does that matter? Your life is so much bigger than you even think. The decisions you make today don't even just affect you and those living with you today. They affect generations beyond generations beyond generations beyond generations. Your genealogy matters. Going forward matters. You have no idea the legacy that God has put in every single one of you here this morning. And so allow God to live that out. What is that legacy that he's put in you? You might not know it. So just be faithful. Bring him your ruin. Bring him your hurt. That's what I want to do. I want to pray with you this morning. Would you just, you can stay seated. Would you just bow your heads with me? I just want to pray. And after I'm done praying, we're going to turn a countdown video on. We'll start our business meeting here in just a few minutes. God, I thank you that you came to redeem us. And today, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. I'm going to ask you to raise it boldly and confidently. None of this half-arm stuff. Raise it up there. If you know that God is trying to get a hold of your heart and you just want to tell him you love him, you just want to say, God, I need you in my life and I want to live for you from this day forward. If that's you right now, would you just lift your hand up? I want to pray with you. Go ahead. Just lift it up. Awesome. Awesome. I see 12 hands right now. You can put those down. Let's pray. God, I pray specifically right now for those 12 people that just said, God, I need you to meet me where I need to be met right now. I want to tell you, Lord, that I love you. I give you my life. I want to live for you. God, I know that you forgive me, but sometimes I doubt it. I know that you redeem me, but sometimes I feel like I'm in ruin. And I just ask God that today for those 12 and if anyone I missed, God, you would just live in them. You would just infiltrate their entire being today as they live for you all the days of their life, as they surrender unto you. And maybe it's maybe it's a recommitting of their life to you. Maybe it's the first time that they've ever said yes to you. Either way, I pray that you would bless these hands that said yes to you. I'm all in, God. Take me. Use me. Let me live out that legacy. And for everyone else here this morning, God, as you're parting up in heaven for those people saying yes to you, you also want to get a hold of our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to you because we don't know the outcomes of our life. We don't know what life looks like. But I pray we trust in you just like Naomi did, just like Ruth did, just like Boaz did. Would we be faithful to you in all that we do in our lives, God? And would you bless that and would we see that? So have your way in our lives. Have your way in our conversations uh, today and tonight during the game. Be with us in everything that we say and do through this week, Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, when somebody says yes to Jesus, you know the angels celebrate in heaven? Can we just offer either some shouts or some applause of celebrating people that just said, I want to make it right with Christ? Can we do that? Because that's what just happened. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.